Blog Talk Radio. Collingsworth at the White House in Washington, D.C. For many of you, this will be your first visit to this historical landmark. Our tour through these hallowed halls will be conducted by the First Lady.
white great-great-grandfather killed my great-great-grandfather. And your white great-grandfather sold my great-grandfather. And your white grandfather raped my grandmother. And your father stole, cheated, lied, and robbed my father. What kind of a fool would I have to be to say, come, my friend, to the white daughter and son? Good evening, America. This is your president. Please listen carefully to the announcement I'm about to make. After careful consideration and research, Vice President Duke, Congress, and myself have concluded that black people have not advanced technologically. Their educational testing scores are on a rapid decline. The vast majority of them are on welfare and producing babies at a faster rate than they can support them. And we will not carry them anymore. We are left with no other choice but to put slavery back into effect. All blacks will report to the designated camps in their area to receive further orders. The only blacks excused will be those serving in the United States military and the police. Any blacks who do not cooperate will be terminated immediately. I repeat, slavery is back in effect. We at war! That's what I told you. I know you heard what the president said, and if the nigga don't move, then he's dead. It's time for us to take the stand. Woman to woman and man to man. Blood pressure through your veins, you feel the fear. Who'd have thought that it could happen here? In the land of the free, home of the brave. The year's 95, you're a slave. Some go in shock when they first hear the news. Press play and then rewind and review. But the message is clear and it cuts just like the knife. You don't surrender, they take your life. And I remember some movies my mama used to show me. What's your name? Remember the times when they bought and they sold your free That's what I told you.
<clears throat> Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haiki Kamatha Mishoki. Currently, <clears throat> I'm with African Awareness. <clears throat> and of course, Brother Africa, you know, my thing is all about institution building. But certainly in the context of building, you know, institutions, there are certain realities we must confront. We can no longer we can ill afford to to hide from you know very very real uh, uh, very real problems in terms of our movement forward in the society. Uh, one of the things you know, as I listened to that song, um, "Slavery Is Back in Effect," uh, you know, one of the things that when we talk about <clears throat> the potential um, revival of slavery being real. We have to look at the overall economic system in terms of propensity in terms of you know elevating slavery you know to uh, <clears throat> to new levels. Uh, one of the things I think you know um, when we talk about capitalism as a whole <clears throat> being in decline, I think one of the things we have to realize: people in positions of power, the elite, they understand quite quite well that capitalism is in, is in decline, and as such, you have devised new strategies in terms of trying to promote the survival of capitalism against all odds. And so by extension, when we talk about the, the, the survival of imperialism, <clears throat> we, can't, we can't dismiss the whole question in terms of the extension, by extension, the new world order. So in having said that, Brother Africa, I think this, <coughs> this will give people some clarity in terms of, you know, some of the real problems in terms of the new strategies that's been employed for the sole purpose of elevating imperialism to a higher level. And understanding that in order for us to survive in society, then fundamentally we have to be organized in terms of com- confronting these potentialities. But having said that, Brother Africa, check this out. <coughs> As capitalism declines, strategies like attacking African history, critical race theory, and imposing censorship serve to distract from capitalism's ills. But a more binding solution is needed. The definitive solution lies in total control of currency, unilateral control of currency beyond government reach, governmental reach. That control is epitomized by the implementation of central bank digital currency, CBDC. Central bank digital currency, CBDC, is a government-issued digital currency. The role of CBDC is to support financial services for governments and its commercial banking system by allowing central banks to establish monetary policy and issuing currency. <clears throat> Implicit in this definition of CBDC is a myriad of concerns relative CBDC's function and its impact on the population. First, the stated objective of, of CBDC is to serve the interests of banks, not society. This is compounded by the fact monetary policy or the level of money in circulation would no longer concern itself with inflation or price increases, merely the attainment of balanced budgets, <clears throat> which, which excludes the population, because mass participation in the economic arena becomes largely irrelevant. Taken into consideration in 1971, President Nixon ended the gold standard. Value of money would no longer be backed by gold. Instead, the strength of the currency would be backed by U.S. military power. Buttressed by the increased value of currency flowing through the financial system, asset prices, cars, houses, bonds, land, and so forth, did inc- decrease. But that decrease came, with that decrease came elevated prices of food and fuel, etc. The imp- implications were clear. As long as the capitalist class benefited from unusual economic policy, 
the impact on the poor will not be seen as an issue. Central bank digital currency will expand on the theme of mass disempowerment. Secondly, and, and, and precisely, and, and more of a concern, and certainly more insidious, is CBDC guarantees the government access to revenues and banks' profitability. Under this rubric, rubric, any chance democracy is rendered null and void. Rights of citizens are relegated to passive observers, and any possibility of holding governments accountable, any hope of freedom of speech or freedom of expression will be tolerated. Now, the level of manipulation inherent in central bank digital currencies would, help, would horrify even Orwell, author of 1984. CBDC would not only allow government to monitor your every transaction, those same transactions are tracked and subject to being confiscated without your consent. Such abuses far exceed the impact on individuals, but encompasses entire groups with precision. Ironically, the ability to pose, impose values and norms on the population historically has been the domain of government institutions, but with the emergence of CBDC, the unimaginable becomes reality. Social engineering could be achieved more effectively, but in ways hazardous to society. Control of the population would be solidified by efficiently controlling access to money. For example, government could force people to spend by placing an expiration date on their money. Such measures will compel the population to spend or lose their money. Banks would no longer fear inadequate reserves because any economic shortfall could be remedied by transferring money from personal accounts. Since privacy laws will accompany CBDC, who will know? Proven, proven man, excuse me, malfeasance in courts will be a difficult challenge for anyone in courts. Now, the control of finances in the hands of banking bureaucrats is a, is a prescription for injustice. Tasked with the objective of providing liquidity for banks, any threat to the bureaucratic mandate of maximizing cash inflows is likely to be perceived as a threat. Criticizing banks too harshly may well be seen as provocative in a threat to banking operations. It is not unreal to surmise what absolute power banks have. Banks could freeze or cut off accounts of those perceived as protagonists. Applying this implication over a broader context, potential for greater injustices arise. What would, what would be the bank's position toward quality dissent? The, re, the reality is bank's position will be to eliminate any disorder that threatens the bank's mission. This could easily be achieved by blocking accounts or limiting what protesters could purchase. Effectiveness of such strategies is likely to be high, given this strategy reinforces the power of banks and the dependency relationship of people to banks is likely to impact most people, particularly given the conditioning process embedded in society generally. Ironically, despite the many horrors of central bank digital currencies, pundits maintain central bank digital currencies is a good is a godsend, given it will promote faster, cheaper transaction costs for trade. However, <clears throat> prevailing studies like Project Lithium and for Project Hamilton refuse to entertain the dark side of CBDC. This resistance in part is due to the realization attempts to save capitalism must entail bold strategies, and the disclosure of central bank digital currencies detail would only educate people as to the horror central bank digital cur currencies engender. In fact, Jim Rickards disclosed President Biden recently signed Executive Order 14067 with the emphasis on Section 4. According to Rickards, this order codifies into law government surveillance of all U.S. citizens and government-controlled bank accounts, specifically central bank digital currencies. This surreptitious signing of establishing CBDC is good for 
is is for good reason. In authorizing central bank digital currencies, dollars will dollars will be phased out. As a medium of, ex, ex, of exchange, dollars will become obsolete. Instead, dollars will be replaced with digital tokens for easier monitoring of all bank accounts, according to Rickards. Rickard, Rick, Rickards believes this process likely to begin in 2024, <laughs> but the foundation to usher in the use of CBDC has already begun by stipulating small banks, small to medium-sized banks, <laughs> to hold more long-term debt. Long-term debt encompasses banks purchasing 10, 20, 30-year governmental bonds for the express purpose of ensuring banks have enough reserves to pay off depositors without creating panic in the banking system in case banks fail. Stated another way, the bank, this banking requirement allows selling banks to, in essence, to use government bonds to pay its creditors without use of Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation funds. <coughs> increasingly, which increasingly increases the control of government. Ironically, this banking requirement does not advocate banks remaining solvent, but focus on repaying large investors in the, in the event the bank fails. FDIC normally tasked with providing funds to assist the bank repaying creditors in the event a bank's collapse itself is not solvent. Not only is FDIC poorly funded, but Federal Reserve officials speculate it would take at least eight years to, to, to get funding for FDIC to adequate funding levels. Currently, FDIC reserves stand at 1.27% of all deposits or, or a little under $128 billion, but should be 1.35% of all deposits. The implication is the U.S. financial system is a house of cards. If the U.S. government institutions find it difficult to ensure every depositor against bank failure because the government lacks revenues for an indispensable component of capitalism, like funding the banks, what does that mean for other vital institutions of government in need of funds? Reality is, shortage of government revenues is pervasive. Spearheaded by national debt approaching $35 trillion officially and trillions of dollars for military excursions, the implications of, <coughs> of an accelerated capital collapse is clear. Capitalism has no choice but to discard the old game and implement a new game, one that is more vicious and calculating where there are no rules. Bureaucrats would be called upon to make up the rules as government strategy and their tactics dictates in a, manner fully, in a manner fully determined by cold, hard considerations with little or no feelings toward humanity. Welcome to the new world order of central bank digital currency. The ordeal is about to start. Get ready. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we'll go to Brother Anthony, who is the organizer for the all. African Hebrews Revolutionary Party GC, and we would like to welcome him too to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Anthony. Thanks for having me, Brother Africa, and revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams, and I'm an organizer for the All African Peoples. Revolutionary Party GC, Objectivist Pan-Africanism, the Total Liberation and Unification of Africa under Scientific Socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. <laughs> and following Brother Anthony, we'd like to bring in Brother Moses, who is a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. 
Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Move. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism, the father of scientific socialism, during a government class in my high school years in 1968. I call Marxism the race secure racism. I dare bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. I, I don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I believe that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And the struggle continues to be to unite the many to defeat the few. They tell me that 10% of the population owns 80% of the wealth, so the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And so we need a system, a government, a political economy that is based upon egalitarian and ethical principles a revolutionary government that is constantly educating its people, constantly giving out health care on a single-payer basis, and this is a struggle. I thank you, Brother Africa, for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. And we'll go from Brother Moses to now to Sister Eleanor, who is also a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. We now will bring in our sister Eleanor and welcome her to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Good evening. Good evening, Brother Africa, to our fellow panelists and to our listeners in the United States and abroad. My name is Eleanor Johnson. I'm an environmentalist, a human rights advocate, educator, and artist. Um, last week, uh, Brother Africa, and to our audience, I uh, misspoke, and I'd just like to quickly correct it. We were discussing Niger and the many uh, coups that have occurred in uh, Francophone, West Africa, since 2019. It is important for me to uh, say that Liberation and the fight for neo-colonialism is a long, hard fight. And that um, in Fort Brookings, um, Georgia, many folks have been trained, and the issue is much greater, and the issue is for uh, combating uh, colonialism. And the real factor is is that... uh, Burkina Faso is not only uh, the country that would be involved in this, potentially Libya, Mali, Senegal, and other countries would stand against the French as well as against the United States. The United States has 29 bases in Africa, including Niger. So the reality is I wanted simply to say that the struggle for revolution is what is going on and fighting and overthrowing uh, 
or taking a side with a particular government as an outsider is difficult, but it's not difficult when you stand firmly and see who is fighting for the people. And when you look at a nation like Niger, where the uranium is lighting 75% of the homes in Europe, 60% of those in Germany, and the people in Niger have no rights, we know that the revolution is to is needed and is coming, and combating neo-colonialism, and fighting the greed of a few individuals in West Africa is the big struggle, and the people are ready for liberation, and I stand in solidarity with uh, uh, West Africans and the fact that they're getting ready to uh, join the BRIC as well as Brazil and other countries uh, to get rid of the CFR county and uh, also to uh, stop the dependency on the U.S. dollar. And uh, I do believe that that's a, a great day for all of Africa and the world. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. At this point in time, we're going to register a culture break, and when we return, we'd like to invite you to join us as we go into our first segment of this program, which is what's going on in your world and the community. So we'll be right back, and we're going to play some old school music that reflects our theme today. The struggle continues, and we are not free. This is Africa on the Moon. Motherland. Speak about the motherland. About the motherland. Speak 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 about the motherland
That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. I'm all about peace and love. It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yeah. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Calling him a terrorist. Okay. One nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's. Um, uh, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that that oppose your imperialism. He's going to tell you who it is. Lumumba was democracy, Mossadegh, Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that's mm-hmm. his music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure.
somewhere. Sasha and Malia are huge fans, but uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you. Predator drones. You will never see it coming. You think I'm joking? Nothing ever changes. Hung by the news, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be strong to let. To get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful 
the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth, Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves, Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries and see the blood in the red clay, the clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. Life is clear. Oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through my journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon on the 10th day of September 2023. You can join us by calling in at 323-679-0841. As we discuss what's going on in your world and 
the community. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat. As our panelists decided, they're going to stand behind it. We may not give you what you want, but we'll do the best to give you what, what you need. So on that note, like always, let's continue to travel down this road of liberation. And at this point in time, we're going to ask Brother Hakeem what's going on in his world and the community. The mic is yours, Brother Hakeem. Brother yeah, Brother Africa. Uh, <clears throat> I tell you, I was um, very happy to hear uh, Atlanta, Georgia's District Attorney Fannie Willis uh, really rebuke uh, the, um, judicial, the House Judicial Committee in terms of its, its uh, obstruction of justice as related to the Trump uh, trial in Atlanta, Georgia. In Georgia, uh, I, I'm very happy because normally, you know, you don't have officials who respond. You know, because most of them be intimidated, you know, when someone in, in Washington, D.C., particularly when you talk about a subcommittee, when that committee uh, critiques a particular institution, normally it causes that institution to freeze up. In this particular instance, uh, Fran, Franny Willis, the district attorney in Atlanta, Georgia, she didn't freeze up. She actually rebuked him and talked about the fact that not only does he do, does not understand law, but what he's doing is essentially, you know, criminal. And I, I love that. But here's the thing. So when we talk about the dangers of obstruction of justice, you know, by, by a lot of these Republicans, there, there are many factors we have to consider. One, I think, is that also, you know, you know by them engaging in um, obstruction of justice, it creates the possibility that Republicans could use information to undermine or sabotage the case. And clearly that is one of the primary motivations. It also, you know, it provides cover for the dishonest, for dishonest testimony by leaking info that may be misleading. So in other words, you have a potential situation where these people leak this faulty information, knowing it's false, but empower people to actually lie on the stand because once it becomes part of public record, it can be entered into evidence. And so clearly, you know, uh, the, the strategy behind, you know, doing such a thing, engaging this, destruct, you know, this obstruction of justice, calculated, and there's no question about that. Also, it allows Republicans to retry the case in the mind of the population, setting the possibility of an innocent verdict. In other words, what they're doing, what they want to do by gaining access to information pertaining to the trial against Trump, uh, the information pertaining to the information against Trump, they want to use that information, spin it in a way in which it makes in, Trump looks innocent and thereby poison in the minds of potential jurors. So once jurors uh, uh, are provided with a narrative which says that Trump is in fact guilty, uh, there's a real possibility that some of those jurors, at least one of those jurors, are going to say that he's, he's innocent by virtue of the narrative that was created by Republicans in the first place. Now, this type of, you know, uh, <clears throat> obstruction of justice is not only illegal, Brother Africa, but it's unprecedented. It's the first time in history this has ever been tried. And it's also at odds with the U.S. Constitution. And um, uh, District Attorney Willis made that point very, very clear. She elaborated a few points in terms of the illegality of uh, this kind of intrusion you know, by the federal government into, into this trial of Donald Trump. She talked about the state-federal government separation, or in other words, she talked about state sovereignty. She talked about violation of separation of power between the federal system and the states. She alluded to federalism, or which ensures the power given to states is protected, given the state doesn't, doesn't violate federal law. And so it's clear there's a demarcation between the federal and state government. And the mere fact for, gov- for, for, for the federal government to intrude is a violation of the Constitution. 
And also she talked about the fact that the administration of justice or the pro- legal process must be perceived as fair and transparent, free of government intrusion. So the mere fact that the federal government, this federal, this federal, this federal committee, uh, the so-called uh, House Judiciary Committee, because of its willingness to engage in, you know, violating the administration of justice, uh, it, seeks, it, it suggests that, in fact, that not only do they not care about the dispensation or the, or the fundamental, uh, uh, how, how justice fundamentally dispensed, but, in fact, <clears throat> you know, their priority is, in fact, freeing Trump because Trump served their many, many interests, uh, both financial, more financial and otherwise. Now, now, when we talk about these House Judicial Committee interference in state criminal proceedings, uh, you know, we got to talk a little bit about their motivations. Clearly, you know, as I alluded to before, Republicans are vest, definitely vested in interest in protecting Trump's legacy or promoting authoritarianism, class domination of elite power and control, and that's indisputable. Also, it, it could be the promotion of, of, of racism, uh, because racism is important in terms of keeping imposing division in society because one of the strategies in terms of racism is to divide to keep people fighting each other which makes it which not only empowers elites but it makes it possible for government to do a more effective job in terms of manipulation public 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 dissent and so clearly you know when so when these so when these republicans engage in this obstruction of justice they do so with strategic understanding strategic clearly what they what they're doing but there is a bigger reason in terms of the Republicans' uh, participation in obstruction of justice when it comes to this trial against Trump. Um, and that speaks of desperation. And we can't talk about desperation without talking about the economic reality. Because currently, um, you know, when we talk about declining credit ratings of banks, that is, that is a real concern in terms of capitalism. Capital, banks serve as a lifeline for capitalism. So if banks are fundamentally distressed and their credit rating, ratings are being lowered, then it means that his ability to turn fulfilling his purpose or fulfilling his project objectives are in, in, are in dispute. And so clearly that is problematic, problematic as far as the government is concerned, particularly when we talk about revenues. Also, when we talk about the fact in this country, 50 million people, this according to the Commerce Department, joined the ranks of the unemployed in the year 2023 this year. So we're talking about 50 million additional people. And of course, we understand the impact all those people have in terms of, of not providing revenues for the government by virtue of being unemployed. And so clearly these are, these are fundamental issues. But more importantly, Brother Africa, I think one of the things, when we talk about U.S. competitiveness, we understand U.S. competitiveness is, is, is not competitive at all. And that's one of the reasons why they must, they must control the narrative, because they realize once people understand that the current account balance is the United States or <clears throat> uh, is, 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 is it's in decline, saying that U.S. competitiveness is also in decline. And so when we talk about, you know, um, you know uh, when we talk about current account balances, essentially all we're talking about is the difference between trade and services and, and when it comes to, when it comes, or, or based upon import and exports in terms of differences in terms of sales. So when you compete the United States in terms of what it sells, what it produces, or what it exports comp- compared to other countries, the U.S. competitiveness has been in decline over the last five years. And so clearly that is problematic. So one of the things Republicans must do, they must conceal the fact, not just Republicans, but Democrats as well, they must conceal the fact that the economy is in decline. So when I talk about this you know, current account balance, the thing that we have to understand, 
that in just a year ago, it was just the current account balance is just $98 billion. The current deficit in the year 2023 is, approaches $944 billion. So we're talking a little over a year. We talk about this massive increase in terms of deficits based in, in over a matter of years. And so clearly, when we talk about U.S. competitiveness, when we talk about sanctions, and we talk about uh, countries' rejections of the dollars, all of these negatively impact the U.S. economy. And because this is reality, uh, the Republicans must do all in their power to create a narrative which distracts people away from the reality of what's going on. And so when you have a situation where you fundamentally uh, invest in Trump, when they protect Trump, understand it's not necessarily because they love Trump. They see Trump as a necessity in terms of making sure that it not only divides people, but it keeps people uh, 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 away from the reality in terms of what's really going on in the society. So clearly, uh, so clearly I'm very happy that, Fred, that, that, uh, that the DA, uh, Fannie Willis, took a stand and, and told him that if you persist in this kind of criminality, there will be repercussions. I'm, ha- I'm so happy that she did that and how close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we go to Brother Anthony. What's going on in your world and the community? Brother Anthony. Okay, uh, several things. Uh, one, um, uh, the resistance to imperialism is rising and gradually getting more organized, uh, particularly in Central, South America, and Africa. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, this marks uh, the 10th anniversary of uh, Nicolas Maduro coming to power in Venezuela. Uh, he's uh, Cecilia Hugo Chavez, and uh, and uh, his uh, his party is continuing. Uh, uh, you know, in uh, along the socialist path of development, which is a good sign, and it's a sign that uh, a sign that resistance is increasing, which uh, which uh, doesn't bode well for capitalism throughout the world. And uh, let's see, and uh, uh, the PSUV is continuing along. Uh, you who go job as socialist footsteps, and uh, that's a good sign. And uh, it's a sign that people are getting fed up uh, with, um, you know, uh, 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 you know the way things are in the world, and that resistance is rising, and uh, the people are 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 are, are raising their voices more. And getting more organized as uh, as we speak, so the uh, you know those are good signs uh, that uh, that capitalism is on its way down, definitely. And uh, let's see, uh, uh, let's see. That's all I have to to say on on that note. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Next from Brother Anthony, we go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? Brother Moses. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Um, I um, I've been over this issue before, and I 
I hate to repeat myself, but we had a, a socialism conference up there in Chicago the last weekend or so, and um, there was um, some Trotsky, I continued the Trotskyites in the, there and in the movement, and um, and so I, I just want to be clear on this, because petty bourgeois revolutionism, that's what Trotskyite theory and practice of the petty bourgeoisie they're incapable of leading the struggle, but they are oppressed, and so they're in the struggle, and we recognize them as part of the struggle. Uh, however, um, the God question, essentially Christianity versus Trotskyism. After much consideration, I have decided to criticize the trend within the working class movement for justice and peace. The Zionists deny the truth of Jesus' teachings on internationalism and against the restoration of Israel as advocated by the Zionists of his day. True, many Trotskyites are anti-Zionists in the political struggle, yet they ideologically they have not thoroughly broken with Jewish traditions. This is manifested in the anarchy of production of childbirth. The most important decision morally one makes is when and under what conditions one should father or mother another human. Christianity is about defense of the fatherland, i.e. the mother consciously declares who is the father of her child. Like Karl Marx and so many others, the children are labeled with the name of their father. This may seem like a small matter, but communism is a godless ideology and has no morality. Only ethics. Professional revolutionaries are concerned with getting the job done, and this is the compass by which behavior is judged. V.I. Lennon pointed out that morality belongs to the era of religion. Marx proclaimed religion to be the opiate of the masses. The materialist knows only human behavior, and there is no God. Jesus lived at a time when answering the God question was vital to human progress. Without a vision, the people perish. Without revolutionary theory, there can be no revolutionary movement. Jesus tackled the issues and reconciled humans and God. Quote, I am the way, the truth, and the light, unquote. Wise people recognize the correctness of his position, for it has meaning, especially for the Palestinian people. As Chairman Mao pointed out, the critical contradiction for the international movement of the working class is the national liberation struggle versus imperialism and not the imperialism versus the socialist camp. History has proven the correctness of this view. Trotskyism is the ideology threatening the advancement of the communist movement. Interestingly, the greatest defenders of socialism, everywhere except where it can be found, have now generally accepted the existence of socialism, and there is less talk of, quote, socialism can't exist in one country. Deformed workers' states, continuous revolution, etc. All these Trotskyite views, and they they produce the attack on J.B. Stalin and Mao Zedong, and as a direct result of Trotskyism, and and this attack played the critical role in the collapse of the Soviet Union. I maintain there is one God, Jesus, and that Mao is his messenger for government. We have to recognize petty bourgeois revolutionism in its ideological form. You know, we we can't be confused by um, 
utopian socialists, basically, who refused to recognize scientific socialism and dialectic and historical materialism. So this is the struggle. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And for Brother Moses, we'll make our transition to Sister Eleanor. What's going on in your world and the community? Sister Eleanor. Well, this is a very, very important um, uh, time. We're celebrating the uh, or remembering the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Salvador Allende in Chile and the overturning of a democratically elected government and the uh, installation of Pinochet and the thousands of people that died. And here we are at this anniversary um, looking at the same sites such as Fort Moore in Columbus, Georgia, Fort Bennett and, and, and these states in Georgia that trained these very people uh, in Central and South America to overstate democratically elected governments now doing this in Francophone, uh, West Africa, not to forget what's been going on since 1996 in Uganda and the impact it's had on Rwanda and the Congo in Anglophone states. So I think it's very important to recognize this and to know that uh, uh, the College of International Security Affairs uh, that is a part of the U.S. Department of Defense is uh, the flagship for education and building of uh, uh, partner capacity, as they call it, in combating terrorism, uh, uh, irregular warfare, and the likes. But the real reality is is that uh, Algeria, for example, has a huge standing army. And whereas last week there was a threat by uh, the... How the participants from the National Defense University and others that had been trained there that they would uh, uh, be willing to stand in arms against uh, Burkina Faso and uh, uh, as well as uh, the possible invasion of Niger. But this cannot happen as long as Senegal... Algiers and other nations stand in solidarity. This would be, in effect, creating another uh, Syria and the situation that we saw in the Middle East. And we have to remember that Algeria has a pipeline that goes right into Spain, but uh, Spain's economy suffers under the euro course, Algeria, like the other uh, former uh, colonies of France, suffer now uh, with still with the CFR, but they suffer not only no longer with 
the French uh, franc, but they suffer with the EU in not uh, having their that colonialist currency equal that of the uh, of the euro. So you know it's important that we remember uh, what was happening 50 years ago in Central and South America. And now to know that uh, there's an attempt to have this same movement in West Africa and across the Sahel, and the people will not tolerate it. And what Europe really wants to do is to extend its border across the Mediterranean. It it does not want these environmental refugees and others to reach the European continent. So as we've discussed on this show, uh, Libya and uh, um, they're trying to uh, keep these forces, European forces, moving across the Mediterranean and they are the terrorists um, to keep global environmental refugees from moving north. So it's important to uh, remember our history and to know that we are standing strong against the uh, uh, imperialism and that... uh, it's an incredible fight, but now there are new players involved, such as China, and we saw the uh, successful conference held uh, by Russia and African leaders uh, in the last month, and we see India is also involved in making business in Africa. So uh, Africa wants and has said the King of Fossils stated point blank that what they are seeking is to do business fairly as a sovereign nation with other nations who wish to do so. And uh, this is an exciting uh, time, and uh, I I see this as a a part of fighting the anti-imperialist movement in Francophone, West Africa, as well as Niger, which is in West Africa, but also in in having an impact on the diaspora in the global south, as well as the United States. So this is an exciting time, um, one that we should um, recognize and remember and to recognize those who gave their lives in Chile Um, and to remember that uh, the people are standing up and they are not going to be moved by the economic community of West African states or or the uh, UN or the... uh, African Union, you know, they these organizations will either have to stand up and speak for the people 
or the people will speak for themselves. And this is uh, uh, very exciting news, and it's interesting how these events are occurring uh, 50 years apart. And that's uh, what's going on. And uh, Washington may have its unspoken objective is to remove France from Africa. But I think the West African goal is to make business with those who are willing to make business and not try to keep Africa in a commodity uh, kind of economy and to make it equal to all world economies, uh, uh, especially uh, the imperialist economies uh, such as uh, France, Great Britain, and uh, uh, the United States. Also, Germany is about to move into third place in the world in terms of military, and I think that could be very dangerous because I think this is a a threat to Africa, not to Europe, because Germany could never uh, take on Russia or invade Russia. So um, the concern is what impact it may have uh, on uh, Africa, with the U.S. already having 29 bases there, and I'm not sure of how many there are uh, that belong to France. So um, this is uh, this is what's going on in my world. This is what I'm paying attention to, and I continue to stand in solidarity with the Palestinian people. And uh, they, I look at Senegal and how Senegal stood up and it voted against uh, Israel in a UN uh, decision to not to support the Palestinian people, and it cost Senegal something. It cost them a water purification system that Israel was engaged in, but that did not move Senegal. They will find other resources for purifying water and bringing clean water into water systems into Dakar, uh, not so much Dakar, but through government in, in Senegal. And I think that's a real important thing when you see uh, West African government standing up against imperialism and apartheid, Israeli apartheid. Thank you, Sister Alidor. At this point in time, we're going to take a welcome to the culture break, and when we come back, we will continue the discussion that's going on in your world community, and we invite you to listen to audience to come and join in by dialing 323-679-0841. This is Brother Africa. He's under the weather a little bit today, so my voice sounds very weak. That's what we are feeling, but we will get through this, and we would like to encourage your help. 
Now come share with us what's going on in your world and the community. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the move. A negative attitude towards Africa. In San Francisco, on African Liberation Day, Brother Walter Rodney, an African historian, noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification. I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother tongue, quote unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese, as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are. And that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance, because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. When we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards on the Europe or Europeans. You will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans. The only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negroes.
and the community before we make our transition to our theme tonight, which is the scope of the kingdom. We are not free. The panelists, before we went on our break, there was one particular question I was just thinking about in reference to our theme, but just in general, in terms of the conditions of Africa and African people. And that is when we talk about this question of um, struggling for our freedom, we deal with a couple of major obstacles. One is that, as Brother, as Sister Harry Tugman once stated, if our people knew they were enslaved, then she could save a lot more of them if they knew that. Well, in this case, if we could finally convince our people, awaken their consciousness, and realize that they are not free, maybe maybe we'll be followed down the road or closer to our liberation. As of today, we are not free, but many people are being persuaded to believe that there is this illusion of freedom as it relates to our people. But my question to the panelists today and this audience, I'm just wondering, when we look at the domination of Europe as it relates to the continent of Africa and African people, labor resources, one of the things we do have access to or control or control is this question of do we have to sell the resources to those countries and nations who are causing us harm? And why are we selling resources to these countries when we are not applying them to ourselves? I know the general answer is given the issue of neocolonialism, but in terms of something that seems very simple, that just as if you do something, they will boycott you or they will shut off resources to make your life better to function. Can Africa, African people do the same thing? Not only just in Africa, but where we find African nations. I'm just wondering um, what is your response to that possibility? Brother Haki, your response. The mic is yours. Well, you, you, you raise a, a very interesting paradox, Brother Africa. Uh, you know, certainly one of the problems in terms of, you know, uh, defining self-interest, uh, you know, uh, there are many ways to look, in ter- look at self-interest. Uh, you know, certainly to have a world in which, you know, uh, you look off of humanity generally is a world that not only would benefit, uh, but certainly a world in which is much more uh, predisposed to elevate, you know, uh, humanity, which makes for a much more just, much more harmonious world. And so some people will, will conclude that that would be in their self-interest. I think, and we look at African history in terms of its, 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 its propensity uh, for governments to be of collective sort or practice collectivism, uh, this notion in terms of what is, what is in the best interest of all of us, I think it's a kind of philosophy that bodes well in terms of the annals of, of African history. And so I think in that context, when you talk about self-interest, I don't think what, what you're asking, I think, if I'm understanding you correctly, is you're asking African, 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 you know, um, 
you know, politicians or African business elite. You're asking to act to practice a kind of self-interest, which is similar to the kind of self-interest the West practice, which is very, very narrow, and which they see uh, the kind of oppression, uh, the injustice inflicted upon the masses of people is good because out of that chaos, it creates the possibility that they uniquely benefit from having all this chaos and injustice permeate the world. So I think that what you're asking philosophically, I think for a lot of Africans, would be a very difficult concept uh, to reinforce. I don't think there's an absence of understanding that, you know, that uh, given the, 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 <clears throat> the, 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 the historical savagery you know, of the West when it comes to dealing with Africa, I don't think people are, are, are you know, lacking in terms of that understanding, in terms of that history. I think, but when you ask people in Africa to say, okay, we want you to develop a similar kind of mentality, I think for a lot of Africans it would be problematic. Uh, I think for the, for, the, for the reason I enumerated earlier. So I think to the extent that Africans can overcome, you know, um, uh, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of conditioning in which the emphasis has always been on the, ma- on the collective and not individuals, I, I think it would be a very, very tough sale. Uh, now, for some people, we say, well, you know, that's what, what you're saying, Brother Haki, is all idealistic and all, all well and good. And I can, I can certainly see that argument. But certainly when you look at most ancient African societies, the, the, question around, the question around the collective in terms of community uh, has always been exist, always existed. Now, the problem is in terms of when you talk about this collect, collectivism, uh, the question becomes, was, it collect, was collectivism practiced across tribal boundaries or was it within a tribal group? Uh, it was definitely practiced of, of, based upon you know, tribal groupings. Uh, it didn't necessarily transmit into or translate into collectivism for people outside of the tribe. But the interesting thing about even from tribe to tribe, that certain philosophy in terms of collective mindset existed from tribe to tribe. And so, therefore, I think that it's sort of, um, <clears throat> I think this kind of thinking is sort of um, immersed in the way, you know, Africans think. And so for them to be as ruthless in, in calculating uh, as the West, I think for a lot of Africans it would be a very, very tough sale. But that's my view, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haggy. Brother Evan, is it as simple or practical that African nations and people can look at this question of black island capitalism, the greatest tool you have to uh, fight for change is the use of your labor, labor, or you withdraw from your labor? How about African countries will no longer change their relationship or the arrangement they have in terms of the selling of their minerals and resources to those who turn around and continue to exploit them and oppress them? Okay, well, in in addition to the points that Haki made earlier, I would add that the problem is ideological. Uh, In other words, uh, we um, uh, Africans uh, at home and in the diaspora, for that matter, are inculcated uh, with the ideas of uh, of uh, uh, you know uh, consuming like Europeans. In other words, and in other words, it seems like Africans have to, uh, are taught 
to aspire to have the same things that Europeans had. Like, um, you know, uh, Kwame Ture pointed out that uh, there are more Mercedes-Benz in Africa than there are in in any other continent in the world. And that is because uh, a part of our educational system is we're inculcated with European ideas of consumerism. In other words, we want some of the same things that Europe, that Europeans have, and uh, and uh, because Africa is not uh, able to produce that, it has to import it, and uh, this is another dilemma, uh, uh, dilemma in terms of us withholding, uh, and plus we're disorganized as well. In a, in addition, um, you know, it makes it uh, harder for us to withhold things that Europeans need for their lifestyles in order for us to get, uh, you know, uh, the things that Europeans have. And, uh, you know, and uh, some of us are inculcated with these ideas that we have to consume as uh, uh, as our European counterparts do, and uh, this is uh, and uh, this is a part of our problem. Uh, we cannot withhold. Uh, it, it makes it more difficult for us to withhold things that Europeans need when we want some of the same things that Europeans already have. And I think, uh, so I think in addition, uh, that's an addition uh, to the other problems we have that we, we you, you know, that only, only, only if we organize our, our economies and our land accordingly will we, we, will we be able to counter uh you know the uh the desire for european things thank you brother anthony brother moses your response is it that simple to withhold our resources to those who don't treat us well to those with their with the unfair exchange practices you can use that as a tool to help bring about the change in the value that Africa and African people see? Your response, Brother Moses. Yeah, well, we're talking about class struggle. We're talking about dialectical and historical materialism and that the world is coming from somewhere and going somewhere. We, we're talking about, you know, whether we have a plan or we're planning to fail. And um, so, you know, this, Ideologically, we're talking about you're a member of a class and your ideas belong to a class. They're all ideas are class ideas. That's the first thing about ideology. And and um, so, you know, Africa has nothing that China didn't have, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, in terms of the peasantry and the, and the rural areas and the vastness of the area and the differences of the shades of color of the people, et cetera. Uh, Africa is facing a question of self-determination, 
up to and including independence. So that means they have to have a, their own independent agenda, like in in uh, uh, um, each one of these countries that's trying to be be free. That means you have to self-determine. You have to you have to have your own offense. In other words, you can't just be on the defense. You have to have your own offense. And your best defense is their offense, real far as I'm concerned. Um, but, um, you know, so we have to be proactively for something, you know. And, you know, a rose by any other name is still a rose. That's the first thing. So when we talk about socialism and scientific socialism, you know, in Africa, in China, in Russia, anywhere on this planet, um, Cuba, wherever, wherever it, it, it existed or used to exist, um, that, that's the objective. That's where that's the direction the world is moving in. And then we either get on board or or we get, we're going to get lost in the shuffle. Um, the world is dividing up into class, into into camps. Um, there's the pro-socialist camp and the anti-socialist camp developing in them. And, you know, we see it in Nicaragua, we see it in Venezuela, we see it everywhere, including the U.S. of A. And so, you know, it's a question of which side are you on and are you either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And, you know, and there's nothing unique that's so unique about Africa that uh, that Marxism is in his mouth that so he thought can't uh, um, accomplish the objective. Um but I, but I, ultimately, it is self determination for Africa, and so I I I um, in terms of my politics, I I I declare myself uh, culturally deprived, and I, and that I submit to the All African People's Revolutionary Party (GC) and other Pan African organizations who've been in the struggle in in the struggle concretely in Africa, and. Um, Paying attention to Africa, real specialized, and um, so I, I admit, you know, that specialty is 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 um, is a higher form of, of unity, that, which I'm trying to achieve. Anyway, so you know, long live Kwame Nkrumah, Secretary, you know, all the freedom-loving people of Africa. Uh, and uh, I believe in self-determination, Africa for Africans. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Adamore, your thoughts. Is that simple that we will hold our resources, change our relationships or our agreements, and succeed to help bring about the kind of changes that we need? No response. Sister Adamore. Uh Certainly. And that, that there, you know, it's... Uh, it, it is possible, and I believe it's it's something that is happening. You um, you know, right now, uh, the discussion seems to be you know cry for the French decolonialization, but that doesn't necessarily ensure the instatement of uh, uh, democracy in Africa. What we see right now is U.S. Uh, neo-colonialism and the militarization of Af- of the African con- uh, continent, which must be um, 
uh, uh, forcibly opposed, and we saw a wonderful thing uh, happen with Burkina Faso in that we have Mali, we have Algiers, we have, uh, well, with the exception of the King of Morocco, we saw several countries stand up uh, against uh, imperialism. Um, uh, we saw Niger, uh, Mali, and uh, we we see Senegal taking a strong stand. Now Nigeria, and they're always going to be. And the problem is, is that you know there are these uh, colonialists, neo-colonialists who have their special interests uh, there and 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 that's that's the issue you know so it's a it's a it, it, and there's a tend to favor the uh, hegemony development of the US uh neocolonialism uh, militarization you heard the uh, former president of Nigeria invite the U.S. to pull out of Germany and move into Ni- Nigeria. You see that Nigeria right now is not only cutting uh, electricity off in, in northern Nigeria in the state of Yola, but also in the country of Niger. So you see so many internal conflicts, but yes, we also see new things happening. The uh, silver from Brazil is going to be setting up and figuring out how Africa and Brazil can make a business. We see uh, China. Uh, we see the South Africans and the uh, establishing the BRIC, which will establish a new currency. And um, we see that Brazil's interested in that as well as uh, several African countries, as well as China. Uh, um, India has discussed uh, involvement as well as a couple of Asian countries. So you see a shift in, in the world economy and resources uh, very well. Uh, can um, go other places. And as Brother Robert said, you know, we live in a a class economy, and the reality is these channels for business are already established, but they really can be redirected. When I discussed the pipeline in Algeria being underused, that uh, goes right into... <laughs> Excuse me, Western Europe. Um, that can be better utilized, and 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 um, uh, we we have other opportunities. And we saw Russia, who I wouldn't, I I don't know the Soviet Union former uh, Soviet Union has been gone since '91, and I don't know of Russia to have been an oppressor. Of, of the African continent, but I saw Putin there meeting with 
the African leaders, not lecturing them, not doing what Anthony Blinken just did, talking down to them, not doing what France and other countries do, but there to talk about what conditions and what can be done economically. And the reality is, yes, Africa can stop being the slave to its European and Western oppressors. That includes Great Britain, the United States, and Europe. And uh, uh, that I believe, yes, that that very much can happen. The big issue is the special interest groups, those people. Uh, you know, the pattern of the U.S. militarization coupled with the imposition of, uh, whether you call it neoliberalism, um, and then also the reality of microeconomics, I guess that's what you would call it when you talk about special uh, uh, economic in- interests, which breed policies that can work against the the interest of a few people. But yes, uh, the the economic um, channels are changing in the world. Right now, all we hear about is the new world order. And uh, it's gonna, it's being put in place in Africa. What did you say, Brother Africa? You got to wrap up. Ten seconds. You finally wrap up. All right, I'm wrapped up. I'm as wrapped up. All right, thank you. Neo-colonial militarism can be um, and forcibly opposed in Africa. Thank you, my sister. All right, panelists, just look at transition to our theme tonight, which is the struggle continues. We are not free. As we think about that theme, there was three particular sources we're going to use tonight. Well, ask each each of each one of y'all to give y'all a critique on these sources. There were two interesting videos. People go on YouTube and check them out. One of the videos titled "Nigel and Burkina Faso Military Plans." Uh, Tori's interview. Why CFA and Private Francophone. That's a real interesting video that relates to our theme tonight. As well as there's a second video called Our Ancestors Was Bound, The Maroons and Black Liberation in North America. And from those two videos, and there was an article titled 21 Countries Officially Agreed to to Ditch the U.S. Dollars in 2023. All of these particular sources ties into and give us an indication of not only does our struggle continues, but clearly we are not free. So I'd like to have a critique for each particular um, source of information from what you gathered from these particular sources, panelists. Brother Haki, when we look at this question of the video dealing with Nigel, and Burkina Faso military plans, towards interview YCFA and Parish Bank upon. 
It raises a lot of contradictions in terms of this question, not only why that struggle continues, but why we are not free. It talks about this whole question of um, financially, you know, Africans do not control their own currency. Their reserves must be put in a particular bank that's owned and controlled by France. They talk about how the, the so-called monetary system is unfair, unequal. When you look at for indigenous African currency, it may be anywhere from 20 to 1 when it talks to the euro or European currency. It's just talking about the whole nature that something is wrong with this question where when you're talking about reserves, 50% of each of the Franco states' reserves must be in France. And they use that money as a tool to make them apply for money in a form of loan, which is the same money that originally came from them. With all these kind of financial arrangements and policies and things, is a clear indication of not only does our struggle continue, but definitely are not free. But when you look at that particular uh, video, that source of information by the IP, share with the listening audience some of your thoughts from that as it relates to our theme today. The mic is yours, Brother Hackney. Well, yeah, well, essentially, Brother Africa, what, you, what you're talking about is, 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 is neocolonialism. And, uh, or, if, if I want to be kind about it, French imperialism. Uh, clearly, when we talk about control over the economy, that is key in terms of, you know, you know, economic vitality. If you're going to move forward, if you're going to, if you're going to educate, clothe, um, and, um, provide health care for your people, then control of the economy is key. But of course, the way the, the, the economy is structured in terms of French relationship, France relationship, you know, with those West, Af- West African states, it's done away in essentially, essentially what it's doing is trans- systematically transferring wealth from the 14 African states to France. And so when we talk about the, the advent of the CIFA, now the CIFA, the currency that they use in those 14 West African states, the CIFA, was specifically designed to facilitate a process of transferring wealth from those 14 African states to France. It was specifically to that. So when we talk about the function of the economy, the French economy used a euro in terms of, you know, as, 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 a, as a building block. Uh, but the CIFA is specifically for those West African states. In other words, we're talking about, you know, two different currencies, but yet one nation, France, has total control over, over the currency of both France and those 14 West African states. And so when we talk about systematically transferring this wealth, when we talk about 50% of Africa's reserves in those 14 African states, 50% of their reserves end up in France banks. France then takes those reserves invest in euros uh, under the forex um, arrangement in which, you know, given the value of the euro by trading in the, the, those CIFAs, uh, France benefits tremendously. But the problem is that when they do that, there are no benefits to Africa whatsoever, to, for the African states whatsoever in terms of the economic arrangement. Also, when you talk about, you know, the 20%, I mean, it, it, is, it is interesting that you that you that you say that in order to have your in order for reserves, your your current your foreign currency reserves have to be twenty percent of what what you have in your banks. It has to be at least twenty percent of what you have in the banks. 
inevitably what happens is that because you have that kind of stipulation, then it means that not, we're talking about we're not talking about simply twenty percent of Africa's reserves going to France, but we're talking about when you when you when you look at the actual reserves that already exist in France banks, and you multiply that by twenty percent, then it gives you an idea in terms of the hundreds of billions of francs oh, excuse me, of ciphers end up in French banks. France in turn again invest in Euros, use that money to so called provide money to assist assist uh those West African states in terms of their economy. But the reality is that that money is still comes from the West 40 West African states. It's classical imperialism. And it's good to see that, that um, General, uh, or is it Colonel? I think it's General. General Traore. Um, it's good to see the uh, Bikini Faso. It's good to see him and people like um, Diop out of Mali, the Foreign Minister out of Mali. It's good that they're making analysis in terms of, listen, this kind of economic arrangement is, is unsustainable, and we will no longer play by, the, by your rules of the game. So it's good that these, these African leaders are waking up to the reality. But, but, but the bottom line is that you know, even when, when, when Macron goes to France and he speaks to African leaders and he, and he vilifies African leaders for their ineffectiveness, he never, took, he never takes the time to actually talk about the systematic thefts that are taking place with respect to West African economies to the benefit of France. He never talks about that. He continues to put the blame on African leaders for saying they're inept, they're unskilled, uh, they're not motivated, they don't, they, they're not responsible to their people. In fact, the situation is more complex than that. The situation is one of one of uh, one of imperialism. And since so when so when France systematically ripped off West African states for its benefits, it's high time that Africans begin to realize that this situation is untenable and it has to end. But this is, this is as it currently exists. But here's the problem, Brother Africa, and I close with this. Now, even though the CIFA is, is phased to, to be eliminated uh, in, uh, 20, in 2027, supposedly, and they're supposed to be in, in, uh, implementing the, the ECO, um, you know, in those West African states. Well, even though, even though the CIFA as a monetary unit will be phased out, the bottom line is that Africa still must compete in terms of, you know, uh, in, uh, international, international finance agencies, World Bank, INF, in terms of their livelihoods. So the question in terms of maintaining a certain amount of foreign capital uh, or foreign reserves, you know, in your, in your country in order to justify getting loans from Western banks uh, will continue. So, so, so the mechanism in terms of maintaining imperialist control of Africa is not going to change when I order. The currency is going to change. That's all that's going to change in 2027. But the systematic, the structural uh, problem in terms of imperialism, Western imperialism, is not going to change when I order. So the bottom line for West African states, you have to totally, you have to totally eradicate World Bank, the IMF, and those kind of institutions. You must create your own banks in terms of financing. Your, your, your operations, we'll be talking about investments or, 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 or sale of your commodities. You have to have your own bank to do that. Until African leaders are willing to do that, the bottom line is that no matter what you change the currency, the systematic, uh, 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 the, the system, the systematic structure to ensure the rape of Africa's e- economies. And so clearly, you know, African leaders have yet have stated, have yet to state definitively that they're willing to put it in, not participate in IMF, uh, IMF 
World Bank in terms of shenanigans, in terms of trying to secure loans for the, you know, for the advancement of their economies. So until that happens, Brother Africa, you know, to see for, for the eco, it sounds good in theory, but the bottom line, structurally, it doesn't mean anything. Nothing's going to change at all, and I'll close with that. Thank you, Haki. Brother Anthony, your critique of this particular video. Yes. Um, my cr- r- critique uh, 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 of the videos is I thought it was, um, it, it, uh, you know, it was um, a good uh, interview in ter- with Traore in terms of moving towards uh, you know, self-determination, uh, you know, uh, defining th- uh, things ourselves, that's a start. But it isn't sufficient to achieve pan-Africanism, which is the ultimate solution to, uh, to all our problems. And that, and um, what I don't see are, are concrete steps toward political unification. Which is key, because uh, the ultimate, even though the problem is economic, the ultimate solution is political. And um, and until uh, and until uh, uh, Africans, uh, you know, start to unite uh, politically, uh, it would not be possible to break from SIFA uh, or or any other currency that the imperialists impose. And uh, and uh, and uh, it, you know uni- unification is critical, and uh, that's why Nkrumah worked so hard to, throughout his life to achieve uh, Pan Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Because uh, socialism is, uh, uh, is the ultimate solution to our problems, and without uh, socialism, uh, political unification is not possible in Africa. Uh, so, uh, you, know, uh, you know, that... Uh, that in, in uh, and also breaking uh, our dependency upon Europe uh, and your and imperialist powers depends upon uh, uh, you know achieving political unity, and that's why Pan Africanists uh, of all stripes worked towards the political unification. And also, in terms of the third piece uh, about uh, uh, African resistance to uh, to, uh, to enslavement, uh, it shows the importance of Africans teaching ourselves the truth uh, of our history, and uh, because uh, our enemies take advantage of our lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. And so it becomes important for us to tell our story. And, uh, you know, and the entire story, not just from the days of child slavery, but also beyond. 
And uh, I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Moses, you're going to that first video. Yeah, um, this revolutionary storms in the east, uh, um, in Africa, and um, certainly these Francophone uh, countries, uh, uh, imperialist, neo-colonialist regimes um, that have been ousted, and um, so hopefully a new democratic revolution is taking place, uh, a new democracy, uh, socialism, uh, and, um, you know, without revolutionary theory, I don't see how this is going to be a revolutionary movement. And, and you know, it, it seems that um, I don't know how conscious um, the political leadership is in terms of the, econ- the political economy, what resources are in the country, how they're being used, who's using them, and uh, how how to get control over the resources of the natural resources and the people's resources, the political resources of the country, and use it in the interest of the masses of the people. This is the, the struggle, and uh, it takes consciousness. The mass movement requires a mass of consciousness, and so it takes organization, and, uh, and I'm hoping that they're up to the task. I mean, it's, they definitely have people mobilized, and that's, that's, that's some indication of some kind of unity of thought, and um, hopefully they can get re- truly organized and uh, with a permanent revolutionary organization that's that's going to be able to guide and lead the people through the various stages of the revolution. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And Sister Eleanor, your critique of the first video. Well, um, I... Uh... I have difficulty. What was the name of the video? The name of the video, Sister Eleanor, was Niger and Burkina Faso, Military Plan, Terrorist Interview, YCFA, and Fathers, Quinticon. Well, um, Tory, General Tory, uh, seemed to be... uh, he, he was at the time of his uh, original election a few years ago. It stated in the video that <clears throat> he was the um, excuse me the youngest person elected to that position. And uh, I frequently speak about the CFR that the note that is used that is not equal to the euro. Uh, it's not equal to anything. It's a, a, a some kind of under undervalued currency. Uh, however, um, I think the issue is uh, um, the the issue is uh, colonialism. And again, as I had said, the special interest. You know, microeconomics, uh, macroeconomics, where some people have their special interests, the interests of their their particular uh, uh, family or corporate interests, and that sometimes uh, stands against the people. So um, I, but I, I uh, definitely. 
uh, see that, as I said, that there was definitely a rising uh, where the West thought this was going to be a short shutdown and they were going to crush General Tory. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, they found that that would not be possible because so many countries stood up against uh, the West. And that includes standing up against the French as well as the U.S. imperialists and their militarization of Africa. Sub-Saharan Africa In particular we were talking about Sub-Saharan West Africa And uh, so Whereas a week ago uh, They were Threatening this uh, military Action on the 6th Of uh, September You see that It did not happen Because there's a realization That it could be much More complex because see, the Sahel also includes Mali. One minute, Sister Includes Mali, the Sudan, and all uh, from west, from from the Atlantic all the way to the Red Sea. And too much. There's too much um, of a threat when uh, the U.S. overthrew. Moak uh, uh, um, Gaddafi. It was a well-financed country, but also numerous weapons, and we see what happened there. So there was there's a reality there's a reality that that would be a possibility if any action is taken against the general and his. Uh, uh, what appears to be uh, by name uh, his democratic state. Thank you, my sister. Pass, when we critique the second video as it relates to the theme tonight, the struggle continues. We are not free. Our ancestors were about the Maroons and Black liberation in North America. That video talks about or gives our people a better conception of the continued struggle against oppression. You know, they say there's a scientific law in which whenever there is oppression, there'll be resistance. And that's a good video that sort of gives you a good shed a lot of light on that phenomenon. One of the things we talk about is the history of the Maroons, the Palmares in Brazil, even the nature of coming on the ships. How many of these ships were taken over by Africans? Some of them were turned around, went back to Africa, and they had captured and enslaved the Europeans. But from this video, what does it do to our people when they come to see? a more objective reality of how we have continued and have always struggled against oppression. Your critique, Brother Hackey. Yeah, well, you know, 
the, the Maroons play a, a big part in terms of our history. You're absolutely correct. Often when we talk about, you know, African history, we talk about, you know, from a very, um, a, from a very passive perspective. Often we're presented as, you know, people who essentially go along to get along and that our oppression wasn't real, a real issue for us. And so, so, that, so that mistaken belief in terms of um, uh, uh, that we were, in fact, passive people, sort of got reinforced in American history. And so when we talk, so when African history is taught in America, that particular view is always, always tends to manifest itself in terms of the curriculum. And that is no mistake. Uh, that's part of the conditioning process. Once you get a people believing that, in fact, they don't have a, of a history of resistance, they only have a history of, a history of acquiescing or participating in their own, in their own oppression, uh, people would tend to act that way. And so by, by so by highlighting the maroons, we get a sense in terms of the more objective understanding in terms of African history, particularly as it relates to, to struggle. Now, one of the things, Brother Africa, you talk about the whole point around, around you know, slave ship revolts. In fact, most historians um, recommend, suggest that between 485 to 600 reports of rebellions on slave ships. Now, my view is, is, is probably a lot of these slave revolts uh, are undercounted because one of the things the, the, the oppressor didn't want to do is to legitimize the African will and, or to fight back. And so, therefore, I think so. a lot of these revolts were probably dismissed or simply uh, eliminated from history because it gave a more definitive understanding in terms of the struggles Africans wage in terms of be free. So often, so when we talk about the Maroons, you know, one thing, you know, when we talk about all these great historical figures, you know, who resist, you know, our oppression, uh, we, we can't underscore enough, you know, the importance of people like Marcus Garvey of the UNIA, Brother out of Jamaica in terms of his organization, you know, Back to Africa, or African Blood Brotherhood of Tulsa, Oklahoma, in terms of the relentless racist violence being inflicted against the African community and, and the persistence of those individuals, brothers and sisters, who take a stand in the midst of all this racial violence. We can't dismiss the, the deacons of defense um, out of Louisiana in terms of these brothers, you know, persistence in standing up against the KKK in the Deep South. So this is, this is, this is kind of things that our people need to know and need to understand. We can't dismiss the importance of the Black Panther Party in terms of their heroic stand. In fact, a lot of the uh, improvements made in, that, that made, were made to schools were the direct result of Black Panther platforms, and particularly to my right, you know, feeding kids in school, after-school programs, and those kind of things. Those things are directly attributed to the actions of the Black Panther Party. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, we can't dismiss the importance in terms of the Black Liberation Army. We're talking about brothers and sisters, you know, who are willing to give up their lives, you know, for the, for the, for the, for the, for the, for the empowerment of African people. And they did it in such a way in which, uh, you know, even the, the adversary, even the FBI and the CIA has acknowledged that the, 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 the bravado and the strength and the determination or the Black Liberation Army is something that's, that was that's unprecedented. We talk about liberation movements throughout the, throughout the world. You're talking about brothers and sisters who went into prison, who freed Ashada Shakur. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Asada Shakur. Uh, we, we, cannot, we cannot dismiss the Nation of Islam in terms of its stand, in terms of, you know, getting out people, you know, who, who encountered very difficult circumstances to stand up, to stand erect with their head held high, to take pride to be leading members of the community. We cannot dismiss that. And, of course, we cannot dismiss, dismiss uh, people like, you know, Kwame Touré in terms of his push in terms of pan-Africanism, his diligence 
his her, her, her his perseverance in terms of achieving pan-Africanism. We cannot dismiss the the the, the, uh, the achievements of Jamil Alamine, formerly known as Eight Ralph Brown, in terms of you know his contribution to the movement overall. And we find we currently he finds himself incarcerated as a result of um, um, uh, charges that were concocted you know by the powers that be simply because he dared he dared he dared to struggle against injustice for African people. We can't dismiss the achievements of Mumia Abu Jamal in terms of you know his achievements. Uh, in fact, and lastly, we, we we cannot dismiss the achievements of the not effing around coalition in terms of Grandmaster Jay and his organization in terms of confronting you know racist powers, you know you know right here in America. All of these all of these individuals are 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 are, are in fact are descendants or not descendants, but all these individuals are in fact a reflection of the will to fight. Uh, that was exhibited by the Maroons, and so one of the things that I think African people had to be and understand. So, when, so when we talk about you know uh, the spirit to fight and stand up for that which is right, understand that we're not all willing to acquiesce. We are not all to participate in that oppression. Many of us stand up against against great odds in terms of bringing about justice and humanity and fundamental fairness for African people in society. And we shall we have to always remember that we have a long glorious history, not just in America, but throughout the African world in terms of Africans standing up, fighting against you know, against powers that be that that are committed to the debasement or the oppression of African people. And I'll close with that. Thank you, Haki, Brother Estes, and Uncle Cheek. On the points of this particular video, as you talk about how African people Yeah. Are- I think I, I think it, I think it's re- revealing in terms of the fact that it covers uh, the resistance to our oppression that we mounted worldwide, from the slave ships to the plantation. We resisted our oppression, and I think and, and I think the video does a good job of uh, portraying that resistance. And that, uh, and that we didn't uh, we didn't acquiesce in terms of in terms of our freedom struggle. We uh, there were always a sector of uh, Africans that fought against our oppression in all manifestations, and the resistance took various forms. But there was resistance to our oppression. Uh, uh, to some degree, some were more effective than others, but there was resistance. And I think, and I think it's important that uh, that Africans learn this, so that we can uh, le- learn to better organize ourselves against our oppression. And uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of our enemies don't run us. To know this, that's why you know there's this um, there's this push against teaching African history to our youth. But it, it is very important that all our people learn our history and uh, and learn the truth uh, uh, of uh, of our resistance to oppression worldwide. Thank- Thank you, Brother Anthony, Brother Moses. Real quick cheek on the video. Our ancestors were about by two, the Maroons and Black Liberation in North America. Real quick cheek, Brother Moses. 
I thought it was a pretty good documentary. I'm actually watching it right now. Um, um, but, um, it's, you know, where there's oppression, there's resistance. It's up to the oppressor to keep us ignorant of the, of the resistance so the resistance does not expand and, and become successful. And so, you know, of course, there's, we've been resisting, and, and you know, it's a matter of documentation. Um, um, uh, Professor Gerald Horn is on there. Uh, he's documented real well the counter-revolutionary of 1776 and other other stuff about the, mil- the military settler projects. And um, so, you know, I think, you know, you know, making us aware of the resistance in order to to encourage us to continue the resistance, hopefully is the message. Um, like uh, we, like I said, with we need an offense. We need organizations. We need we need or, or an offense. We need a program of action, a plan of action, and uh, and um, and and be about it. So that's what's going on. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses and Sister Eleanor, your response to that video. I concur with the other analysts and uh, uh, the fact that uh, the reality is is that it's a it's a, a great documentary, but the Maroons, whether you know, in North America, in the Carolinas, in Florida, uh, throughout the United States, but also in the Americas, the Maroons were were Africans who were able to move to their own areas and maintain their um, their their culture and life. You know. Um, um, we saw it for a long time down at uh, in the Carolinas along those barrier reef islands that are now resorts, but right up to the 1970s, um, uh, the Maroons maintained a cultural identity and that includes uh, uh, not only an economy, but um, the uh, arts and the, the food and uh uh, just fascinating. It was. It's a. It's a fascinating documentary, and the maroon movement uh, was vast. These people had a common language, and were able to uh, um, escape and establish their own settlements uh, in the Americas, and. Uh, um, it's just uh, a, a wonderful thing, and we saw that happening again. Like I said, anywhere there was a waterway or a jungle, uh, the maroons were there. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And at this point in time, we want you to respond. I can want to respond to the last article for the day, as related to our theme. The struggle continues. We are not free. And it talks about the title of Britain's 21 countries officially agreed to ditch the U.S. dollar in 2023. It's written on September 7, 2023. 
Let me just read your subtext with this article. And each panelist, I want you to speak to the importance of this and how this may impact um, the rest of the world. The state that the U.S. dollar is facing challenges from developing countries that are threatening its status as the global reserve currency. A handful, a handful of alliances in Asia and South America are looking to end dependency on the U.S. The BRICS and the fund groups are at the forefront of challenging the U.S. dollar's status. Developing countries fear U.S. sanctions to hurt their economies and therefore want to strengthen their local currencies and economies. The de-dollarization efforts are in full swing in 2023, and nearly two dozen countries want to ditch the U.S. dollars. The significance of that in your response, Brother Haki? Yeah, well, you know, Brother Africa, um, as much as I support uh, the the dollarization of the world's economy, the bottom line is that, you know, outside of talking about it, uh, very few countries are actually seeking to um, uh, to um, Utilize, uh, you know, such a measure, you know, to to end this dealing in dollars. Uh, often we talk about the the role the uh, Chinese and the Russians play in terms of you know fomenting trade in their own currencies, and so they're literally com- very committed to the idea in terms of de-dollarization because it's in their interest to do so. But as we relate to Africa in terms of de-dollarization, most African states talk about it. They talk to talk, they, you know, they, they they talk left but they walk right. So the bottom line is that we don't have any definitive will on behalf of African leaders to actually decouple from the dollar. That's something not happening now. It sounds good. Right now it's, it's just talking. Even South Africa has been adamant, you know, that uh, we're, that the dollarization is something that's simply disgusting. They have no intention on uh, actually executing uh, any kind of uh, strategies to, to, to decouple from the dollar, and that is very, very problematic. Of course, if they were to decouple from the dollar, it would be in an economic best interest. But, of course, they're given the corruption uh, uh, that exists, you know, among so many African leaders. Uh, you know, the corruption dies very, very slowly, and that is unfortunate. But certainly one of the reasons why the BRICS uh, in, the, in the Southeast Asian nations are embracing the whole concept of de-dollarization. And so collectively we're talking about over 21 states who are hell-bent, who are com- committed to the idea in terms of ending de-dollarization, with the exception of South Africa. Uh, so, so when we talk about de-dollarization, the importance is that why de-dollarization is so important is because essentially the United States used the dollar as a weapon. And because you use it as a weapon, it's an ability to undermine people's economy. So we talk about things like sanctions, uh, freezing people's money. For instance, they froze over $3 billion worth of, um, worth of gold out of Venezuela. Uh, they froze accounts in Zimbabwe. Uh, you know, they implement sanctions throughout the world against people, Cuba, uh, Nicaragua, so forth and so on. So all of that is using the dollar to weaponize, uh, you know, uh, dollars. And so when we think about in terms of the system in which the dollar is, 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 the dollar is, is designed to accommodate, 
So so when we talk about that particular system in terms of, you know, all money going through that particular system, the SWIFT system, then we understand that by virtue of money going through the SWIFT system, then it empowers the United States to essentially do what it pleases because United States is a reserve currency. And because it's a reserve currency, it, 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 it creates a, a, a situation in which in order to transact business, uh, it becomes extremely important to have dollars. So if you don't have dollars, certainly you have to get some dollars in terms of your foreign exchange, in terms of being able to conduct business. And that is problematic. You should be able to use your own currency in terms of facilitating trade. It shouldn't be a, simple, it's a situation where you rely on dollars to do that. So this weaponization of, so this weaponization of dollars is, is, is long, long and historical. And so it's good that at least those 20 nations are thinking seriously about creating ways in terms of ending de-dollarization because if they don't end de-dollarization, you know, the, the problem is that, you know, we can anticipate the weaponization of that dollar will continue. Uh, but more importantly, brother, if I should add this, I think in addition to, to the weaponization of, weaponization, weaponization of dollars, uh, the U.S. is very, very clear that as it currently stands, the U.S. dollar is, is, is very vulnerable. The value of U.S. currency is in decline. Nobody wants it. Not even the European allies want the dollar because of instability. And the United States understand that. So what they're doing is instrument imp- implementing uh, so-called c- central bank digital currency. So that is part of that is part of that whole process in terms of main, terms of, in terms of maintaining imperialism. They can simply switch from dollars to digital to digital currency in the purpose of maintaining uh, domination of the world economy. So to the extent that African nations understand that and respond explicit, explicitly to that threat, uh, there's no way possible in terms of you know being able to put an end to the to the to the excesses you know of capitalism unless African nations come to realization that something fundamentally has to change in terms of you know currency. And particularly as related to the value of currencies, and I close with that. I hear you, brother Hackey. Don't talk about it, be about it. I hear you, brother. Answer your critique of this movement. I or... yeah, uh, ahead, the movement uh, uh, sounds good, but again, uh, let's see until Africa. Uh, takes concrete steps toward political unification, its economic dependency upon uh, the dollar will continue. Uh, It will not, uh, uh, again, it's a political problem ultimately, and and, uh, until... Uh, Africa takes concrete steps toward political unification. Its uh, its economic dependence upon the dollar will continue. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Moses, your response. As brother, as brother Sabukwe, you said, um, is Pan Africanism or perish? And so, you know, the people have to come together politically, uh, consciously, and you recognize their unified struggle against a common enemy and uh, recognize that their strength in numbers and recognize that their destiny is is to be self-determined and and, uh, they can... 
use their resources in their own best interest. This is the struggle, um, the the do that in deeds, in words and in deeds, um, as opposed to some kind of continuation of this this uh, sharecropper system, or I don't know what some kind of some kind of colonial system of uh, exploitation. Uh, uh, you know, it's substandard uh, economy uh, uh, as a as a subset of of the French economy or something. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, and so you know, it takes revolutionary ideas. You know, they they are mobile, they're mobilized. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, um, the people. People need something to believe in, um, uh, and uh, you know the revolution uh, must must patiently explain to the people the aims and objectives, and show them that you know that that uh, it makes sense, that it's practical, that it's pragmatic, that is that it's doable, and. Uh, you know, put theory into practice. It's it's a, a lot easier said than done. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, the mic is yours. Um, thank you. I um, didn't have an opportunity to see the uh, video, but I've been uh, reading quite a bit about the brick and mentioned it. it um, frequently on uh, this form and uh, it is a fascinating idea. I believe it is. It does have uh, feet that it is going to work. The silver uh, seems, uh, of Brazil seems committed. Um, I um, understand that Brother Ike feels that the South African president has uh, some trepidation uh, in terms of his commitment. Uh, right now, there seem to be about seven African countries that we're talking about at least attending the forum and uh, have been attending uh, meetings surrounding the issue of uh, the establishment of a new currency, uh, uh, the BRIC, the B-R-I-C. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And, and all I can say once again tonight, brother, is that, uh, you know, President James Monroe set out uh, with a vision of keeping the U.S. dominant in the Western Hemisphere with that Monroe Doctrine, and uh, it had an incredible impact 50 years ago on uh, uh, Salvador Allende's government, and uh, he stood up with the carriage to say, you know, talk about uh, confronting an invisible blockade and ultimately a bloody coup coup led by the general Augusto Pinochet and 
Um, look where we are now with Colombia. We were talking about the Maroons, how the Maroons and the, the Africans and the indigenous people, many of them being Maroons, united to uh, take power in Colombia. Look what we see happening in Honduras. And um, this is a very, very important time. And um, with the uh, International Film Festival, Caribbean Film Festival coming up, um, there will be a showing of uh, that Cuba 455. That was uh, 20 years before 9-11. There was a hijacking of a plane killing 73 people. So there's a lot going on. And uh, as for the BRICS, um, uh, we'll see um, just just where it stands. And uh, meanwhile, uh, like uh, like I said, I look at people like Lula, South American leaders that have launched their uh, uh, consensus for peace, integration, and progress and um, uh, cooperative measures in terms of uh, economics. And the BRIC could very well play a major role uh, in, the, in the global south. So this we will see, as well as uh, uh, Kelly has made his commitment. So we'll see where the seven nations of Africa stand. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this evening's show. Thank you, Brother Africa. Thank you, Sister Noah. At this point in time, we're going to take a Robinson culture break with music resistance. And when we come back, we're going to close out this program. The script will continue. We are not free without political panelists and analysts, as they will give us their final thoughts for tonight. This is Brother Africa, and this is Africa on the Move.
agree tonight, all of the speakers have agreed that America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our people have a very serious problem. America's problem is... It's one of two suckers, ignorant brothers, trying to rob and steal from one another. You get caught in the mid, so to crush that stereotype, here's what we did. We got ourselves together, so that you could unite and fight for what's right. Not negative cause, the way we live is positive, we don't kill our relatives. Pop, 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 one and shot, who's the blame? Headlines, front page, and rap, the name. MC, the light, here to state the bottom line. The black on black crime was way before our time. Triple brother, life with a knife, that's Things been stated, re-educated, evaluated, 
Thoughts of the past have faded. The only thing left is the memories of our belated. And I hate it when someone dies to get all hurt up for a silly gold chain. Rock chump, word up. It doesn't make you a big man. And to one ain't going, this your brother man. And you don't know that's part of the plan. Why? Cause rap music is in full demand. Understand? My name is Jeff Ice, a man, not a prankster. I was known as the gangster. But believe me, that is no fun. The time is now to unite everyone. You don't have to be soft to be for peace. Robbing and killing and murdering is the least. You don't have to be chained by the beast. But party people, it's time I release. Hey, yo, here's the situation. Idiocy, nonsense, violence. Not a good policy, therefore, we must ignore. Fight and bust it. Heavens at the door, so there'll be no bum rushing. Let's get together before we're falling apart. I heard a brother shot another, it broke my heart. I don't understand the difficulty, people. Love your brother, treat him as an equal. They call him animal, Mm-mm, I don't agree with them. I'll prove them wrong, but right is what you're proving them. Take keys before I leave for what I'm saying, or we'll all be on our knees. Praying. The heavy deep, deep in the heart of the matter. The self-destruction is served on a platter. Making a day, not failing to anticipate. They got greedy, so they fell for the bait. That makes them a victim, picked and plucked. New jack in jail, but this is the best they ever duck. There's no one around, cause in jail you're a number. They never took the time to wonder about Yes, we urge the merge we live for the love of our people to hope they get along. Getting a point to our brothers and sisters who don't know the time. So we gotta ride. in your head, you know our job to build and collect ourselves with intellect. To revolve, to evolve the self-respect. Cause we got to keep ourselves in check. Or else it's... That's right. Capitalism is a form of self-destruction. The question is, are you going with it? That's the question. We'd like to welcome everyone back to After on the Moon, and we're in the seat. We're going to take the heat. As we define it, we're going to stand behind it. You know, After on the Moon is a weekly program under the direction of the African Awareness Association. Not only do we come to speak truth to the powerful, but also to the powerless. We'd like to encourage all our friends, supporters, and allies. If you would like to support the station, you can send us a gift to Zelly by sending to African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com, or you can cash app us at dollar sign capital L, small e, small e. Small C, small R, small O, small B. Whenever there's economic dependency, there never can be no freedom. So help us maintain our, our independence so we can further our work in the area, help us to liberate our motherland, Africa, and our people throughout the world. So at this point in time, we'll close out today's program as related to our theme tonight. The struggle continues. We are not free by asking each one of our panelists and analysts to take a two-minute closing statement as it relates to today's program. We start with Brother Moses. No statement for tonight, Brother Moses. 
Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa. Uh, it's been interesting, informative, uh, as usual. Uh, I don't know any burning issues that I can think of that I wouldn't address. Uh, I, like I said, I bear witness that Jesus is often finishing my faith, and so, you know, I have a, a hope that's beyond... Uh, regular understanding, shall we say. And so I I think that's the highest calling. But that in terms of the goat of the Caesars, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesars, the, the goat of Caesars with mouth a tongue as far as I'm concerned. And so, you know, um, we live in a finite world. Uh, uh, actually, our problems are not infinite ultimately. Uh, we are finite. We can, education can go on infinitely, but we can solve the most of our problems if we put our minds to it and dedicate ourselves to it. Uh, certainly, this class struggle thing, where 10% of the population owes 80% of the wealth, shows that there's something skewed about this economy, this political economy, and that we need egalitarianism. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses, for staying within time limit. And we now will go to Sister Alzheimer with two minutes closing statement for tonight. The mic is yours. Just uh, want to thank you for another wonderful show and remind people uh, that on October 6, 1976, a civilian flight Cubano 455 was bombed in flight off the coast of Barbados, killing 73 civilians. And this barbaric act happened 25 years before 9-11 and was the um, first terrorist act against a civilian airline in flight. And uh, the international, uh, every year, the Coalition Against Terrorism celebrates and remind not celebrates, but reminds us of this event. But this year, there's going to be Cubano 455 film documentary at the film festival, the Caribbean International Film Festival, which is from um, September 6th through... September 22nd, 2023. So I would urge people to take take a look at that. And um, if they're interested in knowing a little more about uh, Cuba and what's going on, they can use uh, us-cuba normalization.org. That's us dash U-B-A-N-O-R-M-A-L-I-Z-A-T-I-O-N dot org and, and it's underlined and uh, they can get in, co- in contact with uh, New York, New Jersey, Cuba Sea uh, Coalition. Uh, they were responsible for sending uh, syringes during covid to Cuba and doing other activities and uh, the coalition 
our coalition here in D.C. has been in touch with them. And uh, thank you again for allowing me to participate in this evening's show. And uh, thank you uh, to all the analysts and to you, Brother Africa, and, and our listening audience. Have a wonderful week, and thank you again. Good night. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, and good night to you. Brother Anthony, Brother Hackey, we'll go to Brother Hackey. Your kind of thoughts right now. We got problems, Brother Africa. You know, the Institute of Policy Studies says since 1963, growing income and wealth inequality over the last four decades has supercharged historical racial wealth disparities. Here is the problem. In a society which essentially uh, judges people based upon their material possessions, to the extent that the system systematically disempowers African people in terms of employment, in terms of quality education, in terms of affordable housing, all those things that are important to human beings. If African people don't have access to those things, then the perception is that there's something fundamentally wrong with African people. Unfortunately, most, most people in America are not sophisticated enough to understand the, the economic or structural limitations or the structural ramifications you know, of a capitalist system. They tend to believe that capitalism is the best system in the world. And as such, it's very easy for them to come to the conclusion that the problem lies distinctly with the African people. There's something inherently wrong with African people. Well, against that background, we've got to be very, very clear in terms of the, the potential repercussions from people thinking like that. If we're not organized, if we're not clear on what's going on, if we don't have the institutions we need in terms of combating, you know, those kinds of stereotypes, if we lack those kind of, kinds of institutions, then the bottom line is that, you know, we leave, leave, leave ourselves wide open to all kinds of attacks. And let's be very, very clear on something. When I talk about attacks, I'm not talking about the, the, the rank and file, these, you know, these, you know, these, these, poor, these, these, these poor white folks, you know, running amok. I'm talking about organized interests inside the government, rich, powerful individuals who are creating conditions to justify the, the slaughter of African people in the society. A lot of people say that's, that's extreme. Uh, that could never happen in America. Well, only thing I can say to you is that when you look at the kind of things that are going on in society currently, and you look at the systematic marginalization of African people, and you must conclude that something fundamentally skewed, that something fundamentally wrong was going on in society. Having said that, Brother Africa, I always encourage people to unravel the matrix, because in order to understand precisely what is going on in society, we have to deconstruct a lot of insanity, and we got to do it very, very quickly, because time is the essence. And I'll close with that. Brother Africa, have a good night. Thank you, Brother Haki. It's been nice to you. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight. Uh, first, I, 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 I want to thank you for allowing me to be uh, to be on the show, and uh, thank you to the fellow panelists and the listening audience for taking the time out of their busy schedules to check out this program. Uh, my final thought for tonight is that we must learn uh, from, uh, from the, uh, the lessons of our history, and we must teach ourselves our history. 
and uh, we must get organized. The only way we can de- defeat an enemy as powerful and as organized as this one is we must get organized ourselves. Uh, I urge all Africans to join an organization that's working for the liberation of our people. Uh, one such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, uh, which our objective is pan-Africanism, liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. You can find out more about our history, objective, and uh, work by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org, to learn more about our program and objectives and what we're doing now. Also, you can check out a program uh, that we did recently that featured the role of youth and, and students and women. And uh, it was a very good program, very educational. And uh, you can check that out on our website as well. Uh, but I urge all people to join an organization that's working for people's liberation. And uh, you know, and and learn and learn about the history of our resistance to our oppression, which was very well illustrated tonight. And uh, where there is oppression, there is resistance, and that's one of the le- many lessons that uh, Kwame Ture taught us. And uh, I urge uh, all people to get organized because organization uh, is the only uh, only means we have available to us for defeating our enemies. And once again, I thank you for uh, letting me be on the show tonight. Thank you, Brother Anthony, as well, for your contribution to today's program. I'd like to thank all our political panel analysts. I'd like to thank our listening audience and always our friends and supporters. We just would like to remind you that you can join AFSA on the Moon every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time. And um, spread the word, share with your friends. They can just pick up the phone and call in at 323-679-0841 to listen and participate. Or they can go online to Blog Talk Radio Network and type in Africa on the move. And until next time, we just remember you would like to remind you that look, you must understand the importance of information. Even the critical importance of revolutionary information. It is only through information that gives us the means of capacity to think. And we say that without information you cannot think. And with our organization, can I thank clearly? Those are the tools that we are lacking, the most needed, because once we have acquired, we know all things is possible to unity. So until next time, join us next week and to continue to help travel down the road of liberation with us by joining Africa on the Moon.
We'll see you next week, same time, same place, same station. This has been Africa on the Move. I'm Brother Africa. And like always, we will strive to go forward as Africa's number. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries. Their freedom almost gone. Palestine Palestine. needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer. To give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race, and creed. We need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our Clarendon, and if you come from
from Portland And if you come from Westmoreland You're an African So don't care where you come from As long as you're a black man You're an African No mind your nationality I've got the identity of an African Cause if you come from Trinidad And if you come from Nassau And if you come from Cuba You're an African So don't you where you come from As long as you're a black man You're an African Yeah. 
do Some say that he's up to no good Around the neighborhood Well, your information A lot of my brothers got education Now check it, you got your Wall Street brother Your blue collar brother You're down for whatever, chilling on the corner brother You're talented brother And to every one of y'all behind bars You know that Angel loves you my Oh, 
Get a catch scan, I had chain wrapped too straight, too tight. We get a backhand, there ain't no Batman in this black land. I wish a rich nigga would come and save the day and pave the way. Ain't no amazing grace. I blaze the haze to remain the faith. Twenty years with my medicine, but they wanna throw me away for that. Then turn around and legalize it. I wish being black was truly accepted. Four hundred year elephant in the room. This ain't a new deal. They've been treating us like animals. We in a zoo still. So let me tell you how I feel. Guilty conscience trumps common sense. Every day, y'all ignore the issues. Look at the victim like it's their fault. As if a wagon ain't harassing, waiting for jaywalkers in front of the building, minding your business. Who's trying to pay your bills as if that wasn't to mention? Conjunction, junction, tell me what's your intention. Don't call them kings and treat them like some common folk. You a fighter like Ronda Rose. Rousey move around the road. Drowsy with a cloud of smoke. Howdy do for Maui, bro. Traveling around the globe, you didn't know, but now you know. Early morning risings, my inner Alarm kicking, Birdman hand rubs, feeling my palms itching. I need a spiritual thought with top that's top notch. We watch Black Power Docs and study our chakras. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out. It can't fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever 
Come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. And we gon' come and check it in. Fly on out. Yeah, fly on out. Oh, dear black man, tell me what happened. You can't be low when your glow's everlasting. Him when your ass been on ass been like a has been. Raising the trap when the guard broke math and moves with a Mac 10. Not that nigga back then. But look now, nigga, I'm established. Cut camera action. I cut lines with my sad card. My bitch is packing. Then I'm cutting in line with a bad boy. They caught him flagging. Then huddle around him with a stat chart. Look, you stay awake up to me better than I ever been. Check out my melanin. It's now the makeup for the mannequin that wants to be the same as the slave on the sedative. You kill culture, I give knowledge. I spit stylish. Crane kicks and Balenciagas and speaking science. And bodegas that grow flavors was taught language. Was taught to talk with the razor from having Spanish neighbors. I fought the haters, court cases, and lost paper. Educated killers walking, no ladies cross the street. Turn back around, walk across and sell hard to a fee. No turning back now. Rent doing, your kids gotta eat. Yeah. Black man rooted deep with the blood of a king. Yeah. Black man roses arose from the cold concrete. I eat, walk, talk, gritty. Snitches get buck fifty. Slice buck fifty, both get cut quickly until they free Goldie. Nobody can fuck talk with about Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. So we gon' cop a ticket and fly on out of here, fly on out. Oh, child, don't you ever come, come down. You acting like the sun ain't out. Black became beautiful, then made America great again. See the page of history or see the grave and hate again. I'm from New York, the last state to free the slaves, and now we getting to the point where they rebooting Martin Payne in them. Black man, switch it up, just to be versatile. Why you always mean mugging? Man, it never hurts to smile. Make a record, break a record, get the record straight. I'm just trying to get it going, I'm trying to accelerate. Life alert. Welcome to my world, live and living color, say low word to J-Lo out here with my fly girl, black man, black man, they give you whack answers, they robbing you with Batman, they give you Black Panther, when all our people dying, they think that we need a movie, but the box office don't break off the descendants of Huey, think about it, I'm cooler than a Coca-Cola polar bear, hold up, roll up something potent right before we go in there, maroon custom support that shit that touches the streets, puffing a leaf on a corner that gave me nothing but grief, don't come around my way if your whole message is how much you got If you ain't got no fucking shot Then don't touch the fucking rock Lucy still 50 cent Cool what kind of blunts you got You can lock a few niggas for hustling But nothing stops The judge just makes a hero And a young black boy lose their fucking pops And go on a robbing spree like fuck the ops Phone out of battery Black mirror word the Windex King of the table of contents Human index I handle everything myself The one man quintet Let's take it where it hasn't been yet Dear black man Worth life. One take. Fuck you. Timbuktu, ended up in Paris, I'm the streets of Paris. The Freudals and I talking about the theory, the 
nothing worse that happened to me there or already happened to me here. You talk about making it a divider by yourself, you have to be able then to turn up all the incentive of which you live because once you turn your back on this society, you may die. Africa.